welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode. I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to tell you about a couple things before we jump into our episode. First off, head over to your socials, Facebook or Instagram, and follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights all the ministries of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. It includes our blog called Planted, great content. It includes our Mom to Mom ministry for mothers. It includes our Regarding Him conference. It happens yearly in March. And of course, it includes this podcast, Unshaken. There's so much good content you are gonna wanna follow, so do it today. That will be in our show notes each and every week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory. It helps us out, but it also helps you out because you get notification of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you have ideas, suggestions, or even thoughts about an episode that you heard. Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's head into today's episode. Do you ever wish that you had a different house or a different kitchen? Do you ever wish that you had a different job or maybe had someone else's job? Do you ever wish that you had a different body? Okay, come on now. I'm pretty sure every woman can answer yes to a do you wish question. The truth is we all struggle with discontentment. I know I do at times. That's why this May we're going to focus on learning contentment on the Unshaken Book Chats. Erica Simpson and I are back. We're going to be discussing each chapter in the book Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson on these episodes. You can grab that book at your favorite online bookstore, read a few chapters, and get ready to hear us as we talk through how we are learning how to be content. Join us in May for this series, Learning and Living Contentment. All right, welcome back this month, Aaliyah. We are back to our Feminology episodes. Today is our fifth installment of Feminology, and um, we're today's episode is number 99. Now, I mentioned last week that um, actually we're going to do something really cool on the 100th episode. So I think it's gonna be really fun. So welcome, Leah, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here, and I'm looking forward to the 100th episode. Yeah, I think it will be fun. Um, we've been working on it, and um, it's it's definitely different than most of our episodes, but. Suspense. It is, it's, it's yeah, it's, here's some suspense. No spoilers, I'm not giving All away right. anything now, so. All right, um, today we're gonna to continue our discussion on the strength of women. We're gonna talk a little bit, well, the whole episode, we're going to focus on this our roles as women in our marriages, in our churches, in our friendships, in our jobs. Um, Aaliyah, did you ever play a sport? Okay, yes, I did play lots of sports growing up. And in fact, starting in probably junior high or so, I spent most of the year either playing or conditioning for some sport or another. Were you, were you competitive? I was a little competitive. I think that I've become less competitive over time. Okay. Which I think for me personally has probably been healthy. That's probably okay. a good thing. <laughs> um, I would definitely categorize myself as the more competitive type. Okay. In fact, I have this really vivid memory. I was a kid, you know, like maybe six or seven years old. 
the very first time I ever beat my older brother in a race. Oh. So growing up, the two of us would race, we'd run and race wherever we were going. So whether it was out to the car or over to our friend's house, wherever. He was older than me by a couple years, and so he always beat me until one fateful day, which I don't know that I'll ever forget. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it was the revelry of just that victory. I beat him to the car in the garage. Mm. I actually never lost to him again. I was so motivated just because of that sense of competition. I had to win. Yeah. So I did. I'm still waiting for my kids to race out to the car. Okay. They are still pretty slow getting out there. Maybe <laughs> one day they'll learn this game of racing to the car and they'll actually get out there. Maybe you have to challenge them. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. They haven't found that within them yet. It's tricky to do with a diaper bag and a baby in it hand. Is. You definitely yes, it would is. not win. But No, I wouldn't. Well, I am not really competitive at all. Um, honestly, I uh, I would say that I I'm the girl on the dodgeball team in my junior high, you know, high school or my junior high gym class. I love dodgeball. Uh, yeah, I would be like apologizing <laughs> when I hit them with the oh, ball. No. You know, <laughs> I was probably one of the last people to pick. Not because people didn't like me, but because I really was not super athletic, and I also would you just be didn't apologizing. Care as much, yes. Right? Yeah. I remember specifically being at a friend's house on a Saturday afternoon, and her mom and dad were really into bowling, and they were on a competitive bowling team at a local bowling alley, and they, um, the two, the couple, it was like four, two couples, and the other couple on a quick emergency situation couldn't come, and they looked at me and my friend, and they said, you have to play with us, because we have oh. to play this, it was like the, the championship a big bowling, deal? yeah, oh, no. and I was like, they said, have you ever bowled, and I said, like, twice. Which was not good, and I'm not sure I ever bowled well. Oh, no. But we went, and um, they said, uh, the dad said, if we win, I will take us all out for dinner. Now, I am a little motivated by food, (laughs) but it was not really motivated. It wasn't like a motivation thing because I just was not skilled. It got down to the last. I was the fourth one to bowl, and I was the very last person to bowl that day. I am not teasing you. This is exactly what happened. I've never in my life bowled and got a strike, but I needed to get a strike yeah. for us to win. Oh, that's and you a lot know of pressure. What? Yeah, it was a lot of pressure. And I remember looking back at this, this, my friend and her parents and being almost apologetic before I even bowled, like, I know we're not going to win. And you know what? I bowled and I got a strike. No. It was crazy. You got a strike. And they were like jumping up and down and they were hugging me. I mean, it was my one <laughs> claim to fame right yeah. that day. That's the only time I think I've ever gotten a strike in in uh, bowling. It was when it was important, though. Yeah, I needed to do it. So, but anyway, you know, I mean, I think comp- competition is always interesting, and I think men and women can have competition, and sometimes I think that is how our world plays out. So we're going to talk more today about this idea of feminology and specifically about strength because sometimes we view competition as strength. Like someone who's really strong yes. is a is a really good competitor. And, you know, yes, in sports, maybe that is. But we're going to talk more in depth about how this looks for a woman. Right. And we're going to talk about how it looks in our everyday life. Let's start, though, with a review from last month. So, Aaliyah, give me the most important points we should remember as we head into today's episode. Okay, so last month we said that God is strong and he gives his children, both men and women, strength. And we said that strong women are able to bear hard things and are not taken captive by lying or flattery. They're victorious over sin. They have the ability to resist impulses and they have a firm grasp of the truth. Hmm. Yeah, I remember talking about those um, in our last episode because we said a good thing to do is to turn those into questions. Yeah, you had some really helpful questions. That way you can kind of 
like evaluate your own self. So I think that's really good. Those are good things to remember and it's always good to review. Okay, today we're gonna step further onto this topic of strength and specifically focus on the roles that God has given to women. So what does scripture say uh, about strength and about roles for women? Okay, so one passage that I think of when considering roles for women is Titus 2, 3 through 5. It says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now these verses speak to the importance of women teaching other women about the roles that God has given to us. Older, wiser women have a responsibility to teach younger women about loving their husbands and loving their children, taking good care of their homes, and respecting their husbands. Yeah, one, one verse I thought of was Proverbs thirty one seventeen, and we talked about this in the last episode, that she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong, which I think is good to see that God, it, that there is, it's clear in the Bible that we're called to be strong. Right. So um, what are these roles that God ordained from the beginning for women that fit under strength? Okay, so a few months ago, you talked with Wendy and Sharon on the second Feminology episode about roles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they first spoke about the role of helper. I think it's worth repeating that God created woman for this role as a helper at the very beginning when he created Adam. And then he very explicitly says that he created Eve as Adam's helper. Mm. Now, while many people believe that to be called a helper is to be called less and to be called weak, it's actually really clear in Scripture that there is great strength in being a godly helper. You just mentioned Proverbs 31, and again, I would say that's a great chapter to go back and read. Yeah. You, When you read that, you can't help but see what a great help that woman was to her husband and how that help really did come from her being a strong woman. She has hard work to do, and she does it really diligently because she's so strong. Mm-hmm. A strong woman will find ways to live out her role of helper no matter what stage of life she is in. The strong single woman isn't taken captive by the lie that she doesn't have anyone she needs to help because she doesn't have a husband. Oh, mm-hmm. The strong teenage woman isn't taken captive by the lie that she doesn't need to be a helper until she's older and married. Instead, she can look around and see opportunities to serve and to help all over. Strong women don't put off the hard work of being a godly, diligent helper. We can help someone at the grocery store. We can help some a new employee at work. We can help serve coffee or help clean up at a church event. The opportunities to live out our role as a strong, happy, diligent helper are actually everywhere. Yeah, I love those examples. I think it, as women, we need to be thinking about being a helper in our lives. Like you said, we have to look around. And it doesn't matter who we are and our stage and our age of life and what a witness that can be for Christ because it's not something that people naturally do right and one reason i think people don't naturally do it is because it is hard work yeah and that's where strength comes in it's actually hard work to be a helper it's not demeaning but it's hard yeah and so that's that's where strength fits in with that the the second role that wendy and sharon talked about was that of a nurturer or a life giver so you might remember that when god created man and woman the man named his wife and he named her eve which means mother of all the living So women can nurture and give life in all sorts of ways. But Sharon made the point that the really clear example 
of women having children is the perfect visualization of the fact Mm -hmm. that God gave women the role of nurturer, of life giver. Our bodies themselves are witnesses to the fact that we have this role of life giver. They were created differently than men's bodies for for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I just had a baby in March, and I'm really happy and grateful for the role that God has given to me as a mother, a life giver, right? It brings me so much joy and it can't that joy can't really be compared to many other things the role of mother of life giver is a gift from god now at the same time it really does take strength because it comes with real difficulties with real hard things right yep there are the physical difficulties of pregnancy and childbirth the challenges that come with figuring out how to care for and nurture a newborn there's all the crazy hormonal and emotional swings. Yes. <laughs> and then that's just like babyhood and toddlerhood. Yeah. Then there's the many challenges that come right along with all the happiness of raising and nurturing children who then grow up into preteens. And then I haven't yet reached teenager mm. stages, but teenagers and then even young adults, you're yeah. still their mother. And there are new challenges with every one of those stages. And can I just add that nurturing each of those types of kids changes. Yes. It's not the same type of nurturing that you do all along. Like my my little toddlers, when they were little, it's a different type than my teenagers. Right. And my teenagers are even different than my adult children. Yes, and, right. But it's still nurturing. It is. And it's still work. And at times it can be hard. Right. Actually, a lot of times it's hard. Work. Yeah. And it, you know what? It's hard physically. It's hard emotionally. It's yeah. hard mentally. The reason that it's tiring is because it requires that we give yes. up of ourselves. Yes. We give our sleep. We give our energy. We give our time, our comfort, our thoughts, right? Yeah. The work of giving in mothering and giving life is never ending. And so it requires real strength to do it well. It takes a really strong woman to be up throughout the night with a newborn and then to wake up in the morning and choose to be joyful and happy throughout the day. It means that we have to resist the temptation to give in to impatience and just grumpiness. Yep. It takes real strength to raise our children as they get older. Like you were just saying, all these stages have new challenges yeah. and new things to learn. And so for a mom to give of herself and really engage her children and nurture them in those new phases it takes strength because it takes thought and effort and growth on our yes, part. Yes. So while raising and nurturing children is a really obvious way that women give life, there are actually many, many ways that women can live out their role as a nurturer. And they all require giving of ourselves. And therefore, they really do require strength. It takes our thought, our time, our energy to nurture other people's children in the nursery or yes. Sunday school. Or to nurture a struggling friend by finding ways to encourage them. Well, and actually, we talked about how you don't have to be a mother to be a nurturer. That's exactly what you're saying. You can. There are many people, um, children in your church, neighborhood, that you can be nurturing, and it still takes hard work. It you're does. You're still laying down your plans, your ideas, your thoughts for the day to serve other people. Yeah, because being a nurturer means that we are giving of ourselves for the sake of someone else, and that's challenging. So it takes yeah. strength to do it. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate that you commented that it was that it's hard work, because it's easy um, to give up as a mom and be or as a life giver, whether you're caring for kids down the street or or your own personal children. It is hard work, and um, it's something. Just because something's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. 
Um, I think back to different hard situations in my life, you know, I remember exams that I had to study for yeah. in college, but they were worth something. There was a value in putting in the hard work of studying. I remember working at a, at a job at, at an orchard where I had to, well, I was actually the donut girl. And so <laughs> that I had sounds to make like a fun do- job, but yeah, <laughs> but it, do- it isn't fun when you're making, you know, 800 you're donuts. donuts, you're, yeah, making them. you're making them and selling them. It was not a hard, but the benefit was my pay. Yeah. Now, for a mom, it is, and for a life giver, I should say. Let me let me f- rephrase that. For a life giver, it is hard, but the benefit comes in the work that happens in those who with whom you're investing in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the last rule that you guys talked about in February's feminology episode was one of submission. Mm. Um, yeah. Particularly speaking about marriage, Ephesians five twenty two through twenty four says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So it's really clear here. God has given husbands and wives different roles in marriage. Husbands are to lead or to be the head, and wives are to follow and submit. Both in culture and in our own hearts, we often have a knee-jerk reaction against that reality. Yes. Wendy and Sharon reminded us that that is because of what happened after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. Both man and woman, woman are now under a curse. And for women, part of that curse is actually that we have this desire to usurp the authority that God has placed over us. The thing that is really important to remember is that the authority itself, the fact that our husbands are created to lead, that is not part of the curse. Mm, that was right. actually the case before Adam and Eve ever sinned. It's the discontentment and the impulse to work against the authority that is a part of the curse that's, mm. that's a result of sin. Right. So what does submission have to do with strength? How could it ever possibly be strong to be the follower and not the leader? I think that most of us would naturally think that the truly strong role is the one of the leader, right? Right. right. Last month, you asked me if women can be as strong as men. And my response is to say, well, of course we can be, but that doesn't mean that our strength looks the same. Right. It actually takes strength for a man to lead his family well, and it's hard work that men are called to do. But it also takes strength for women to follow. It's hard work that we are called to do too. Both Mm -hmm. men and women are called to bear hard things. And because of the curse, it's natural for us to think that to call women to submit means to call them to be weak or to call them to be that proverbial doormat that I think yeah. we all have heard of, right? Yeah. Now, I, I would I want to throw my own personal little story in yeah. here. Okay? So um, you, you commented um, in the recently, I think it was last episode, that I was labeled as sturdy. Yeah. Okay? And that is because I am a can-do kind of girl. And I am by nature how God made me a leader. Right. I have always been, from the time I was in kindergarten, yeah. I was organizing all my friends to play games. I made sure everybody was doing it. You know, like I just have, from the time I was little, always wanted to lead people. And that's good, you know, it in is. the right context. I mean, we do need leaders in life. And here's what I will say. If I wanted to, in my marriage, I can dig my heels in really hard and I can use my strength in the wrong way. And I can buck my husband's decisions and I can cause a lot of problems if I want to. And there have been times that I have. And, um, but when I, it actually takes for me, now this is just me, and I don't, Aaliyah, maybe you will agree, I don't know. 
Um, maybe you don't have any issues with this. Probably <laughs> yeah, <not>. right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, listen, I, I, I have. It actually takes more strength to submit. It right. actually takes. It's hard work to submit to right. my husband's decisions, but and it is so good when we do that because somebody's got to be the leader. And when I'm fighting, when I'm the leader in like a group of women and leading something, if everybody is pushing against me. It is just no fun at all, and we never get anything done. No, you think about how little good comes from everybody yeah. fighting and jostling yep. each other for the same role, yeah. right? Yeah. It does take strength to submit. It's not demeaning. Yeah. It actually takes godly strength to submit. Yes, it does. definitely. And actually, the perfect picture of that strength comes to us with Jesus' life and his death on the cross. Jesus, and I'm not sure how often we really think about this, was submitting to God yes. when he sacrificed himself for our sin. Philippians 2.8 says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So obedient to the point of death. Who was Jesus obeying? He was obeying God the Father. He was obedient or submissive to God even to the point of death. Yeah. Wow. Now, was Jesus weak? Well, the verse in the Bible tells us that Jesus humbled himself. But can you imagine the strength that it took to Mm. do that? Submission really does take strength. And just like you were saying, the fruit in your marriage, when mm-hmm. you when you are submitting out of strength, the fruit that comes from that is good. You think about the fruit that came from Jesus' submission. The fruit is our salvation, right? Yeah. The ability for us to be called children of God. It took humility. It took Jesus humbling himself. Yeah. And that's what it takes in our own lives as well. It takes humility. It takes trusting God for our future and for our good. Mm-hmm. So... Instead of thinking of submission as just getting trampled on, of being weak, of being called to this demeaning role, we need to consider how we can reflect Christ's strength just as he submitted to God the Father. Hmm. You know, I mentioned this quote a few episodes ago, and I I actually think it's appropriate to mention it again. Um, It's by an Instagrammer. I mean, you know, if it's on Instagram, it must be true, right? Um, And her, her account is feminine, not feminist. But here's what she said, which I thought was super duper wise. She said, I think people get offended by gender roles because they subconsciously assign moral value to being a leader or being a helper. They think one is better than the other, but they're not. Both are beautiful, necessary, and good. So Aaliyah, what what does this look like actually in our lives? That quote is so true. We all think that if there are different roles, one must be better and the other one worse, right? We think that one role is a role of strength and the other role is a role of weakness. But in reality, both the leader and the follower need to be strong to carry out their role well. Masculine strength and feminine strength do look different within the roles that God has created. But that doesn't mean that masculine strength and feminine strength don't both exist and aren't both good. Okay, that reminds me. Last episode, I brought up doctors and nurses. Yes. And this is the same exact. We can apply this there. We wouldn't look at a doctor and think he was more important than a nurse. I mean, the doctors will tell you they need those nurses because they do a good job in whatever the thing, whatever the situation is. And you can't just have a nurse who doesn't have the same training as a doctor to do brain surgery. You know, like they just have different roles and we need to view that the same way in our marriages and with our job in submitting. Exactly. In another example, a lot of us have been a part of some committee or group at work or at church. Committees oh, yes. oftentimes have someone who is given the role of leader. Yep. Maybe some of us have been a part of a committee where a person who wasn't the leader wanted to act oh. like they were. 
That's like group projects. Yes. Oh my, I just hate group projects in high school. When people <clears throat> resent the role that they've been given and vie for someone else's role, it makes for a really unpleasant yes. environment, does it? Doesn't it? It, yeah. it makes accomplishing any kind of work so much more difficult. The group is actually much weaker when those who are a part of it don't accept the role that they've been given. But when we do accept the roles that we've been placed in and we live them out with strength, everyone is actually stronger for it. Yeah. You, it brings unity, really. It does. Because you are working towards the same goal, and that's the same if you're submitting to your husband. It actually brings unity in the process of it. All right, so, Aliyah, how does strength fit in for different types of women? Let's just kind of break it down because we have lots of women listening. Give me some examples of how this trait, strength, might play out. Now, of course, I should always add, this is like maybe a 30 or 45-minute episode, podcast episode, so we are not going to cover it all, but let's hear some thoughtful suggestions. Like, let's start with a married woman. How does this play out for a married woman? Okay, so last month we used 2 Timothy 3 to kind of help us define what godly strength is, um, and it says, among them, evil men, are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if that's how weak women are described, strong women are the opposite. They're not fooled by lies or flattery. They're victorious over sin. They have the ability to resist impulses and they have a firm grasp of the truth. Mm. Okay, like you said, we can't even begin to cover it all. <laughs> but one way strength plays out as a wife is to not be fooled by the lie that our work as a helper to our husband is some kind of somehow demeaning. Instead, we can take pride we shouldn't be proud, but we can take pride in our work as a helper. Whether you are a homemaker or an accountant, work hard to help your husband. We can have real happiness in doing it. Mm. Look at your work and be satisfied by it. I think many of us know that it can take strength to resist the lie that our work as helpers is less. It really isn't. It isn't less. So look at your husband's day and ask yourself what you can do to lighten his load. Yeah. I've actually mentioned before that's something I've asked my husband every now and then. What's something I can do to help you today? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's super easy. Like, I'm out of underwear in the drawer. And I'm like, you can oh, really right, do laundry. I can do yeah. And then a couple years ago it was, um, I really need help with the taxes. Oh. And <laughs> it was a lot of work. But you know what? It was good. I said, okay, let me lay this out and start working on it a little bit. And I, I think that's a great question to ask our husbands. Okay, so not everybody's married, though. So what about for a single woman? Yeah. The Apostle Paul, a very strong man of God and father of the early church, was a single man. He saw that singleness as a gift. Mm. Now, he was never actually married, and that may be the case for some of the women listening. Or it might be the case that you're only going to be single for a little while longer. Yeah. Either way, Paul saw the truth that he could use his life as a single man in such a way that he was single-mindedly focused on serving the Lord. He didn't have a wife and a children to also attend to. It takes great strength to resist the impulse, I think, to live for yourself. Yes. Strong, single women live their lives serving and giving life to other people when they could, in theory, just be serving themselves. Hmm. They take people meals. They volunteer in the nursery. They visit those who are sick, all when they could be living a life that revolves around themselves. There are women who resist the selfish impulses. Yeah, and I think you have to be uh, looking for those things to do. You do. Yeah, because I don't think those types of things just, you know, land in your lap. You really have to be outward focused and yeah. thinking about others and their yeah. needs. Okay, what about a young woman? 
Okay, so one woman, one way that strength is played out in the life of a young woman, and really all women, but I do think it's a particular challenge for young women, is to not be taken captive by flattery. Mm. It's no secret that social media consumes a lot of our time. Both young women and older women do deal with this. So much of social media is actually just flattery. Mm. It's posting things that cause other people to tell you that you are beautiful, fun, thoughtful, creative, talented, whatever trait it is that you personally are going for. Strong women, though, aren't taken captive. They're not tricked or fooled or enslaved by that kind of flattery. They don't live for the likes. Mm. They know that their value comes from who God has made them to be. So they aren't addicted to checking how much approval they have on social media over and over throughout the day. Mm. They don't live on that. Yeah, that's a really, if you could put your social media away for a while, that's nice. Right. But it's still a hard issue, isn't it? It because is. Because it's not just on social media. No. We can grab flattery From all sorts go. of places. Yeah. I think social media is just really that very yeah. obvious. Yes, um, it is. For sure. Yeah. Okay, what about a mother? We've talked a lot about mothering on this episode, but what would be a way that we could, you know, exemplify strength as a mother? Okay, so... I I really feel like each one of these categories could be a whole podcast episode by itself, but I'm trying to give just one very practical example of how strength is seen in in real life. So a strong mother has a firm grasp of the truth. She doesn't wait until the kids are older to start studying the Bible. She does Mm -hmm. it right now in the phase that she's in. She doesn't let her experiences or the hard things that happen as a mom sway her belief in the truth. She knows what the Bible says, and she sticks with that. In the big things and in the small things. So when the strong mother sees something that is potentially scary happening with one of her kids and all sorts of things like that pop up, Mm. she remembers that the Bible says to cast all your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. And she works really hard to do that. And that takes strength. Yes. When the strong woman has had a long day and is really tired and could use anger to get her kids into bed faster so that she can just relax, she remembers that the Bible says... Man's anger does not bring about Mm. the righteousness of God. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in time you will reap if we do not grow weary. So the strong mom fights her anger, and she finishes her day really well. Yeah, I think I have the verse, let us not grow weary in doing good. Up For a long time I had it up in my laundry room because I felt like the work is never ending. But that's a really good application of being strong, that we don't just give up and let sin take over. We make choices to follow. The Bible says that's good. I am thinking how you said these each could be their own episode, and I agree with you 100%. We are just scratching the surface on all of these, but it's good to think about and kind of get us thinking. So what about for an older woman? Okay, older women have the opportunity to display so much strength. All of their experience, when it is processed biblically, gives them an incredible amount of wisdom. And that wisdom goes hand in hand with having a really firm grasp of the truth. I think that older women can feel like people don't care about their input anymore. Mm. And maybe that is true in culture where youth is thought of as being kind of the prime time of life. But a strong woman can humbly know that God values old age as well as youth. Remember we talked about Titus 2 earlier Mm -hmm. on, and we see that God has a purpose for all of that wisdom that older women can have. So an older woman can look for opportunities to love and to care for her family, her church, her friends, with wisdom and discernment. I think one of my favorite um, times I was in a Bible study was a Monday night Bible study at our church. And 
it was a load of women who were in this spot. They were definitely older, probably like 20 years older than me at the mm -hmm. time. And there was one girl in it. I called her a girl. She was probably like 19. And I think I was 36. Yeah. And then most of them were in their 50s and 60s. And it was one of my favorite Bible studies because these women had a lot. I mean, they had knowledge. You don't just want to have knowledge. But particularly the leader um, was really good at applying that knowledge. And I learned a ton that year. She had wisdom. She had wisdom. And she knew how to apply that knowledge. And I just think that is exactly what you're talking about. And that's a great place to start for older women is be involved in the church yes. where you are because being attending things, you'll have opportunities to see and meet young women yes. and children too. The Bible says out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I would add that I think how we think is shown in our actions, right? So we need to be thinking correctly about this concept. So how should we be thinking, and I put air quotes around that, in regard to this concept, the topic of strength, and how can we change wrong thinking? Because I'm sure that some of us have wrong thinking. Okay, I love that this podcast is always so focused on what the Bible actually says about any given topic. Julie, you always ask some form of the question, <laughs> what does the Bible say about this? Yeah, well, that's because I don't have to come up with new questions. <laughs> it's such a helpful question, <laughs> it is a though. Good one. To change wrong thinking about what it means to be a strong woman, we have got to be women who read the Bible and who really think about it. God gave us the whole Bible. He will help you read the whole Bible. Hmm. Start just making your way through it. Think about it. Talk to other people about it. This year, I'm reading through the Bible using a particular plan with a small group of other women. And every day we text the group with something that we've thought about pertaining to the chapters that we read. Usually it's just a few sentences, sometimes one sentence, but it has helped me so much. Mm. I've loved seeing what God is teaching the other women, and it's helping me to really focus on what I'm reading yes. myself. If we know what the Bible really says, we can filter all of the other incoming information in our day through what is true. So when I read articles or books or comments online, I can discern whether or not mm -hmm. what is being said actually lines up with what God says. And that's so important. Yeah, I love your word that you used, which was filter. I, I think that's a good concept. Again, we must filter everything we see, read, hear, learn through the Bible. That's why I ask, what does the Bible say? Yeah. I ask this often to my kids when they want to talk about some issue, like a big political issue or something. Okay, well, let's think about what does the Bible say? What a we, helpful question. Yes, we have to go back and we have to look at it because it is important mm -hmm. um, to do. Okay, so to sum up what we've discussed today, what are some of the take-home points? Men and women have different roles, and God has created it that way from the very beginning. But because of sin, we're prone to think that the way that God defines those roles is demeaning for women. But it really, it isn't. God's creation of different roles for men and women is good. Carrying out the roles that God has given women, particularly the roles of helper and nurturer and follower or the one who's submitting, takes real strength. Mm. They require that we give of ourselves that we humble ourselves in the way that Jesus did himself. And even if we aren't moms or wives, there are many ways that we can carry out the roles that God has placed us in with strength. Hmm. These roles are things that we live in all throughout our daily lives for all of us. Yeah, and again, I think we've talked before in regard to the feminology. These are just opening the door to a lot of thoughts. And, you know, it's good to go home and think about it and maybe even review some of the other feminology episodes and Talk with some women at your church about it because it's good to process through and really go back to what does the Bible say. Yeah, I love that we can talk about what the Bible says because there are some very clear, clear verses. 
Um, it's been really great to have you on today um, on Feminology. It's good to just pause and kind of ponder these topics. Our world is constantly changing and morphing and honestly, sometimes just trying to sabotage our roles as women. So it's good to be aware of it so we know how to fight it. And um, as I've said already multiple times, but I'm going to repeat it because I think it's a really good thing to remember. Let's view our culture through the Bible, not the Bible through our culture. And that's even more important in our, in our world today. Thanks, Aaliyah, for coming on. It was great to talk with you again. Thanks for having me. Now, you'll be back one more time next right. month in June for our, our sixth um, episode of Feminology. Aaliyah, would you pray for us today? Sure. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us. I thank you that we are able to carry it with us um, all throughout our days. I pray that we would be women who read it. I pray that all of those who are listening would be devoted to knowing what is true and that our hearts would be soft to the things we read. Thank you for teaching us what it means to be a woman. Thank you for giving us such clear instructions. I pray that we would live out our role in a godly way and with great strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, thank you. Hey, um, on our next episode, we are going to celebrate. It's our 100th episode. I can't even believe we have 100 episodes out. We're going to have a little party over here at Unshaken, and we are going to give you a small gift. Are you ready for what it is? I'm ready. All right. We are going to give out our 100 favorite things. Fun. I have invited three women to come and join me, and we're going to talk about all kinds of favorite things. We're going to do them in categories and talk about our favorite book or our favorite organizing idea or our favorite fast meal when you have people over. I think it's going to be a really good time. You'll probably want a notebook so you can write down some of the That's ideas. That's a lot of things. I know. Um, but it's going to be great to be with us for episode 100. Isn't that crazy? And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.